welcome to another episode of The Engineer and the Rabbi. I'm Nat Lokshan, the engineer. And I'm Rabbi Daniel Rabin, the rabbi. Welcome back, everyone. It's, uh, it's great to have you back with us. Um, for those of you in Melbourne, who would have believed that today, the 1st of June 2021, we would still be in lockdown? I, I looked at my Facebook memories this morning, and guess what? Nat, guess where we were in 2020, 1st of June? Still, and... A different lockdown. It hasn't been a continuous twelve months of lockdown, has it, Rabbi? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's 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 kind of disheartening to to still be in a lockdown, even though yes, we did have freedom. And, and Nat and I were talking actually probably a couple of weeks ago, just how it's almost, it almost felt like coronavirus had left Melbourne. Um, we spoke well, too quickly. Uh, at that time, it had left Melbourne. It has come back. Yeah, we, were, we were enjoying. We were enjoying, as we mentioned the, the other time in our previous session, we were enjoying this beautiful simcha together, and there was it was beautiful to have crowds again. We didn't need masks, and and here we back again. But look, we just have to stay positive. We have to, you know, believe that those who are taking care of the bigger picture are doing their best, and I think they are doing their best, although they have made a few stuff ups, but. We just got to look after ourselves and, and take care of each other. I think that's the, the crucial thing right now. And I think one of the follow-ups from our last episode wasn't fully about the coronavirus vaccine, but at some point, we're, the Australian economy, the Australian governments, et cetera, are going to have to accept that there will be some COVID around, but we have enough people vaccinated that it's not going to create the aged care issue, the um, increasing beds. Uh, I think we've, we've never said we wanted elimination strategy in Australia, yet um, states will only be happy when we have zero. But there's got to, I'm waiting for the inflection point coming from those higher authorities to say, all right, we, we've been through the vaccine, enough people have it, and, and we're at a, a state where we can manage any outbreaks without, without going back into lockdown. I think that's very smart. I think you see, if you look at Israel, I think Israel's taken that strategy that you just mentioned. They've tried to, you know, vaccinate as many people across the country as possible. And I think that's the that's their game plan right now. After going through some really difficult times, worse than we were in Melbourne, of course, um, sadly, many more deaths and many more infections. But now they're in that position where they can have that strength of the power of their vaccine. And I think I was just, I actually had my vaccine Last week, I had my first Pfizer dose, um, and I went just as the day after lockdown was anticipated, and the lines were just packed. People got a wake-up call that it's time to go out and get vaccinated, and then the following day, they allowed 40 to 49-year-olds to go. So, yeah, I think people are taking it up much more. If you try to get hold of the, the hotline, um, it's almost impossible to get to book an appointment. So it, sh it shows you the uptake has certainly increased. I wish it wouldn't have to be a impending lockdown or coronavirus in the community that would force people to go out and, and get vaccinated. But I, I mean, speaking personally, haven't found when to get vaccinated that clear. And even for those who may, may be eligible for it, they're not necessarily um, promoting all the different locations of vaccine, vaccination sites, et cetera, to, to prompt people to go out and get there. It's you know up to each person to book their own vaccination and, and go and get it done. Yeah, what, it's been a bit of a disaster. For you? It's Dude. been a bit of a disaster. I agree that it hasn't been handled well. And as I said, you know, to to have the system crashing so much so many times. I was lucky 
to get it because I'm also a police chaplain. Right. And the police, uh, the police force instructed all police uh, personnel to go and get it because obviously dealing with members of the public all the time. And I'm visiting police stations to support police officers. They wanted me to have the vaccination as well. So I, I was able to produce a police identity badge and um, that allowed me, even though I'm currently under 40, to get a vaccine ahead of the, ahead of the queue, as they say. Can I ask, did you walk in or did you have to book? I made an appointment and I, I called, literally, I, I was anticipating when I got the sense we're going to go into lockdown. I, I said to my wife, I said, I'm telling you now, everyone's going to want to go for a vaccine. I'm going to call now. And I had about a 15 minute wait, but it was manageable. The next day when I came back from my appointment, I tried to book a second one. They said, when you get home, book your second one. It was crashed. The system had gone down and it was just a disaster. But I think, you know, this this really leads to what how we concluded or we mentioned it in, in our previous episode, the whole concept of health in general. And um, we spoke about intermittent fasting and you asked me which app I use. And I was telling you there's an app called Zero, which is a very simple app in that it keeps count of when your 18 hours start and or whatever timing you want to choose. But Nat, I think before we get into, I'd like to share some ideas about the importance of health in Judaism. And I think a lot of people feel that Judaism has no concern about your physical health. It's all about studying and learning and spirituality. And that's a really big misconception. Um, Torah values health, Torah values life, as we've spoken about previously. And we are our body's keeper. You know, we say, am I my brother's keeper? But we are our body's keeper. We've been entrusted our physical bodies. Hashem says, I'm loaning this to you for whatever amount of time we're all allotted. And it's up to us to stay healthy. We live in an age where we are blessed with technology to help us, not only within the medical space, but in the prevention of getting sick. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know which, which are your favorite tools that you like to use and what maybe you can recommend if you have any suggestions to others out there. Tools that you may have read about, studied about, use yourself that may, that may help a person stay healthy. Well, I mean, the only thing I have at the moment is my Apple Watch, which, and most people have got their Fitbit or something and they, they check their steps and if they hit 10,000, then it's a good day and leave it at that. I really don't check my steps and I mean, I'm not the most health conscious in general. So I, I basically use my Apple Watch for sleep tracking to see how restless my sleep is. When I actually fell asleep, how many times the kids came through and woke me up in the middle of the night, that sort of thing. Except I can never get the full streak on my Apple Watch of um, seven days in a row of sleep because on Shabbos, I take off my Apple Watch and, and it sits by my bedside waiting for me to put it on the next night. So I, I never get that Friday night sleep recorded in the Apple Watch. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think the Apple Watch is one of the many uh, watches out there. I'm, obviously, you can't see it if, you, if we were uh, looking at the, 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 the podcast, but um, you know, on the video, if we do put, post the video, you'll see I've got this Garmin watch. Now, everyone always asks me when they see me wearing the Garmin watch, oh, so you're a runner. Everybody assumes that you, 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 you're an avid runner if you've got a Garmin watch. Now, I don't use it for running. I use it for other types of exercise. I do like to look at the, the tracking of steps. But also in general, um, when I do a HIIT workout, it, it does provide a lot of guidance. But I think it's not as effective unless you have that strap, the heart rate monitor strap, which syncs with it much better. I feel it's pretty inaccurate without that strap. But Nat, the question I have for you, and I don't know if this has ever occurred to you, um, with technology being so at the forefront of everything in our lives, do you think people are becoming a lot more fixated 
on all the data? Do you think it's distracting and take, taking away from just enjoying things? Are people, become too, are people becoming too scientific? I know I'm a big cricket fan and I, I love sports and I watch the professionals. You know, when you watch the cricketers running on the field, you can see that they all got the, the little uh, whatever type of, I, can't, I don't know what the app is called, but they got something which monitors their steps and how they're bowling. I can understand that for professional athletes where they want to, the exact, the exact science of, of every movement. But for me and you, I mean, should we just not go out and walk and enjoy ourselves? I think we should definitely be out and walking and enjoying ourselves. But one of the interesting things I'm seeing, and a lot of the technology isn't currently available in Australia, it's um, being rolled out in the US, that health is not a general, the, the pyramid of you should eat lots of wheat and go up and eat less sugar. That food pyramid has um, supposedly been disproven. And for, for everyone, there's no one answer. Does intermittent fasting work for you? Does this diet work for you? Every single person's body is going to be unique. And I actually think that self-supplied data is going to be the best thing for people to make their own personal educated decisions around there. There's two um, different devices out in the US. There's the Aura Ring, which is instead of a watch is actually a ring. And supposedly the pulse that comes through your finger is much closer to the surface. And it's a much a bigger pulse than what you get with any of those watch um, heart monitors. Mm-hmm. And it actually and it actually gets closer to the like ECG sort of the peak. It's not just mapping out your different pulse rates and, and measuring that every you know one minute or something, and then you see between it. It does it milliseconds, and it can actually see the the variance between your um, your different ventricle. I'm talking way out of biology but it tells you more about what your heart is actually doing. And the aura ring was actually shown to notice a large enough difference in how your body and your heart was pumping two days before you tested positive for COVID. So last year in the height of the pandemic, everyone was wearing this and people were trying to find out, is this who has COVID? How do you test? How quickly can you get the results? And not immediately, but post-processing the data, the, um, the company aura, was actually able to look and see, you know, we knew that something was different in this person's, there's less oxygen, heart was struggling or something before they presented symptoms or did anything. And the other one I just wanted to, sorry, um, was um, a continuous glucose monitor is another interesting thing that's coming out of the US. They exist everywhere, especially for diabetes and treating diabetes. So you can always see what your glucose is. And there's an app, you can track it. But especially with the number of um, sugary foods and different things that you're putting in your body, the extra information that people could get out of the a continuous glucose monitor without being diabetic could actually give them an idea of how their personal body is processing these sugars. Something like mm-hmm. a, a big oatmeal meal in the morning could potentially have a large um, sugar spike for certain people. And that could put you in that pre-diabetes range of... Um, of glucose in your bloodstream and getting that data and being able to look at it, not as a, if this data means this, then I, then I'm going to get diabetes, but giving the person enough information to say, if I continue doing this, then I, there may be repercussions in the future. So that's brilliant. I think that's exactly what I was, um, what I was thinking about when we, when we thought about chatting 
on this topic is that, that, yeah, we have to use those tools. I think, you know, if you look at Judaism, and as I mentioned in the beginning, how much, you know, staying healthy is critical to being a religious Jew, to being an observant Jew. Um, the Rambam, Maimonides, in fact, says that we can postpone old age as much as we can. We should try. And of course, that means staying healthy, staying physically fit. There's a, just a cute, um, you know, when, when people pray, and I've often been asked this question, and obviously you can't see it on the podcast, but when people daven, when they pray, they, they sway from side to side or up and down, and they, what's called shukaling. And uh, the question is, why do we do that? So some say that it refers to Tehillim in Psalms, and King David says, Kol all of my bones will talk and speak, to, you know, to God, meaning you, you want to move everything. But there was a, a safer written by a guy by the name of Shimon Brainen in Vilna, who wrote that this distinctive custom was in fact um, designed that when we're praying to actually exercise the body. So not only we're we getting the spiritual fix, we're getting the physical fix. And I think there's a there's this non-formal type of exercise called NEAT, where it's really using your daily activities, so your normal routine, but getting in extra activities like walking up the stairs instead of taking the elevator or you know parking your car a, a few blocks down if you've got a meeting. Um, you know, these standing desks are really popular because again, you're moving the whole day as opposed to just sitting. So all of these types of things are really critical. And I think bringing that extra bit of health to us, exercise is definitely the most pre best preventative medicine. Of course, doing it safely, I, I sometimes overdo it and get a little bit injured. But um, it's something which I think we, in today's day and age, with so much information at our fingertips with all these gadgets and, and data that we can read. And as I said, don't get too, don't get too caught up and get stressed about the data. The data is there to encourage and like you explained, to give us guidance and to tell us if we're going in the right direction. I love something called my zone. I use it when I go to my nine round gym. It just really, it helps you see how your workout was from this time to the next time or previous times. And that just really helps you recognize if you're improving or getting fit. And I think that does really help me whenever I forget my, my zone monitor it's like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing today. You know, I don't know if I'm actually working hard or not. So we really got to utilize what we've got out there. Um, any other interesting gadgets that you've heard of that are coming out of? Not much. I mean, sure, there's a lot of stuff coming out there. And yeah. as I said before, Australia, we, we always get it closer to the end, although sometimes Australia is a good um, testing ground for new technology because it's a, it's a Western country with um, very digitized co um, community but it is a smaller size of the community. You know, there, there's not as many people, it's not as big a market. So you can test different devices, see what the penetration is, see what the interest is uh, for those devices. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. How can I measure my, um, my davening? Um, yeah. You know, if, if, if that's exercise and, and I wanna be a data-driven Jew, what, what can I do to make sure I'm, um, uh, I'm giving it my all. I've got my heart rate up. I've got my connection to Hashem up. What can I do? I love that. I love that question. You know, when I when I lived in South Africa, the Chabad of Johannesburg, they used to, they had this marketing company, which was brilliant. They had they used to have the most clever flyers and design, and they had obviously one which is it's not so clever when you think about it, but it obviously had a person putting on filling, and then the other image was a person getting their their blood blood pressure taken, and it's like your daily blood pressure, your daily spiritual blood pressure. You know what? How do you tell if you're improving? My, my answer to that question is Judaism is like a ladder. And that means, you know, if you, if you think about the, the angels in Jacob's dream going up and down the ladder, in a sense, we're also on this ladder of life. 
as long as you are climbing that ladder, even if it's one rung at a time, then you know you're going in the right direction. What do I mean by that? So if, if you think about prayer, if your prayer is exactly as it was yesterday and you haven't thought differently, you haven't explored the prayers differently, you haven't maybe spent a bit more time reflecting on your prayer. So there's always got to be a direction upwards. Then you know you're on the right track. And that's how Judaism has to be. The problem is when we get caught in our safety zones, when our comfort zones, where this, this, is where, this is where I'm happy, this is where I'm comfortable, I'm not going to push myself anymore. If you go to the gym for 100 years, but you don't ever move beyond what you're capable of the day before, then you're never going to grow. Same thing spiritually. Now, are there any apps which can measure that? Thank God there aren't any apps. I think it's just a matter of us going in there and feeling it. But as I said, always, always making sure and checking in with yourself, how am I different to yesterday? What have I done differently? And I've, I've got really practical suggestions, you know, certainly when it comes to prayer. Like I, I used to do when I was in Yeshiva, I would take one tefillah, one prayer a month. And that month I would focus on that particular prayer. I'd, I'd research everything I could find about that prayer, the, the English translation, any commentary. And I would focus on that prayer when I got to it at that day a little bit longer. So reading it slower, focusing, meditating. And I felt that that was making my davening much more meaningful. And I think if you do that across your spiritual religious practice you'll find that you will feel you're getting fitter spiritually what about um getting into the zone before davening like some some people i know they meditate either before or during just to sort of clear the mind be be more mindful and in, um, present for davening I, i've heard you say multiple times it's sort of you're saying the same words day in day out you don't want it to be repetition you want to be actually saying the words and feeling it anything that people can can do just to bring themselves into themselves before prayer yeah there is and i i take i take the analogy from sport uh, one of my favorite cricket players is stephen smith and a lot of people will watch him before he faces any ball he's got his routine he hits, he hits this pad that pad he hits his bat and he was once interviewed and said why do you do that and he said you know because every ball i face i have to be in the zone I can get distracted so easily that I really need to just, there's something, there's something I need to do physically to connect to my concentration and myself spiritually. And I think Lahav deal, you know, to separate from cricket to davening, but I think it's taking one thing of your morning, although, as I said, we shouldn't do the same thing over and over again, but for grounding yourself spiritually, that's okay because that's your focus point. So for men, it might be the moment you're putting on tefillin, use that experience and say, okay, each rap of the tefillin, I'm now, in a sense, divorcing myself from the stress of home, the stress of family, the stress of making a living. I'm now entering into the space. And then also when you finish davening, it's like you're unwinding. It's like, hey, I'm now leaving that spiritual zone. I'm now going to go into the world. And, and so bring on the stress, right? And it could be, you know, some people give a, some people give a coin of tzedakah, a coin of ch to charity. And that's their switch on point. Okay, so as I put the coin in, I know are now in the zone. It doesn't mean you're not going to get distracted. It doesn't mean you're not going to lose concentration. One of my biggest challenges is making sure my phone's away from me during davening because your WhatsApp's, you know, all the notifications and it does distract you. So, yeah, I think those are great, great questions and, and hopefully some, some suggestions. So, Nat, um, as always, it's been wonderful to have a bit of banter and chat with you to, to see how we can make ourselves a little bit healthier. Um, I'm actually just entered into this um, uh, June, the push-up challenge. Um, so if you want to join me, 
You're welcome I, to. I did that last year, the push-up challenge. It was not that Good. easy because there's something like a thousand in the month or something, a bit more than yeah, that. I've done, I've done 30 for today so far, and I'm going to, after this challenge, get another 10 in and then hopefully try to get 50 or 60 by the end of the day. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do 10 for you. Next time that we talk, I hope we'll be out of lockdown. I hope we can focus on more positive things at the beginning. And um, yeah, we look forward to you joining us for our next session and share feedback with us. Tell us what you'd like us to chat about. If there's any topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, we love feedback. We love hearing from you. And yeah, just wishing you well, wherever you might be in the world. Health, blessing, and uh, only good things. Amen. Thank you, Rabbi. Have a good one, guys. Mm -hmm.